This is LBC with Nick Abbott. Call 0345 6060 973. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Let's go over to America now and talk to LBC's US correspondent, Simon Marks, who joins us from Washington, D.C. Hello, Simon. Evening, Nick. So, um, somewhere south of uh, where you are right now lies Argentina, and it is one of the world's basket case economies. They have inflation, uh, which I think is up to around 150%. It's the world's worst. And they just had an election. What happened? They have, and within the last half an hour, we have learnt that the libertarian right-wing candidate, Javier Millet, considered an outsider in this race when he entered it uh, a few months ago, has won uh, in Sunday's runoff election that pitched him against the economy minister, Sergio Massa. Uh, the voters choosing to punish Mr Massa for inflation that is north of 140% uh, and choosing change. Uh, in Argentina, but choosing uh, pretty much uh, a leap into the unknown because Javier Millet is essentially uh, another very uh, telegenic populist performer, uh, a man who has uh, come up with uh, policy proposals that include introducing the US dollar as Argentina's currency, uh, blowing up, literally blowing up the country's central bank. Uh, he has, of course, inevitably been likened to both Donald Trump and the former uh, president of Brazil, uh, Jair Bolsonaro. Uh, but his election is being seen as uh, retribution against uh, Sergio Massa, the current economy minister who was seeking the presidency, who performed better in the first round than people had expected, which is why this is such a shock uh, tonight uh, and is going to give rise, I think, here in the United States to anxieties about whether this surprise result, which in many ways uh, for Argentina is a little bit like the outcome of the Brexit referendum uh, in Britain, ends up being foreshadow for what might happen here in the United States. You know, Monday's already dawned there. It will be dawning here in uh, five hours or so. Uh, Monday is Joe Biden's 81st birthday. Uh, and it now looks increasingly likely that he is going to stay in the presidential race. He is going to be facing uh, a rematch with Donald Trump in November of next year. Uh, there are increasing concerns within the White House about uh, pushback from the voters uh, that people on the doorstep are hearing about the president's age and about the fact that voters are not crediting Joe Biden with uh, the approval that he frankly deserves for his handling of America's economy. And I think when you look at what's happened in Argentina tonight uh, and this idea that incumbents are being punished, albeit for an economic situation that is way, way, way worse than anything that the United States or Britain has experienced. Mm. I mean, 140% inflation literally means that prices are changing in front of your eyes when you go into the supermarket. Yeah. I think, nonetheless, it's going to worry people People hear about the possibility of, uh, you know, a, a populist swing there being the possibility of uh, foreshadow for what might happen here next November. And was it all about the economy? Because he, he is a, a right 
winger. He's, he's anti-abortion. He's um, pro-gun. Uh, you know that he used to carry a chainsaw, didn't yes, he, as a yes. symbol of um, his planned cuts? Absolutely, on the campaign trail. Absolutely. Look, he's 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 broader than the economy. He is a, a populist on a variety of different issues in Argentina. But when you've got the kind of inflationary situation that they're dealing with in that country, it's absolutely the economy that has uh, galvanised uh, people there. I actually just got a message from a friend of mine who lives in Argentina, uh, not Argentinian, but an expat living there, who says, we're celebrating the cri de coeur for change, even if the lad can be scary. So that gives you a sense of what some people have decided to vote for in Argentina today, and that is change. It's mm. absolutely a change election, even if voters, that's not a voter, but many voters will acknowledge they are really taking a leap into the unknown. Yeah, now th this is part of, this will be part of the right wing's uh, uh, narrative that, uh, you know, for finally the whole world is moving to the right yeah. and that is going to presage uh, Donald Trump's second go at the uh, running the country. But, you know, Brazil, uh, they had the uh, election last year and Bolsonaro lost. So, yeah. it, you know, it's, it's not a, uh, it's not all one way, is it? No, it's not. And it doesn't for a second mean that this is going to be foreshadow for what happens here. I just think it's going to add to the anxieties of Democrats about mm. where things uh, are heading here because the polling numbers and, and, you know, we talked about the polls, I think, uh, three weeks ago when we had those battleground state polls that indicated that Donald Trump uh, could beat Joe Biden in five of the six battlegrounds. Then, of course, there were the off-year 2023 uh, elections yes. here that the Democrats uh, surprised even themselves with their performance. Joe Biden absolutely taking credit for the success that Democrats enjoyed in those off-year elections. But at the White House, they've gone back, I think, in the last 10 days or so to seeing more concerning polling data. And they're worried about precisely how Joe Biden can position himself to persuade Americans not only that he's still got the energy and stamina to carry on doing the job and 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 they overwhelmingly think that he hasn't and they uh, more think that Donald Trump has the energy and stamina, yeah. even though, of course, Donald Trump is in his late 70s. Um, I, I think it's going to worry them particularly about how they can better sell Bidenomics to the public, because Biden's been traveling all over the place, promoting his economic policies and his economic achievements. Uh, you know, job creation is moving at a much faster clip here than anybody thought imaginable. Uh, inflation is increasingly under control. The Federal Reserve easing off on some of the uh, interest rate rises that it introduced here. And yet, all the polling data shows that the public aren't buying it because they just don't feel it. They don't feel it in their pocketbooks. They don't feel it when they go to the supermarket. They don't feel it when they pay mm. their mortgage every month or when they check the value of their retirement funds. Yeah. And that's a big potential problem for, the, for, for Joe Biden as an incumbent. Well, Americans should try coming and living here. They're <laughs> whining so much. You know, it was, um, it was James Carville who was the, um, the advisor to Bill Clinton. He, mm. he uh, sort of coined this phrase, it's the economy. Yes. Stupid. But the economy in America is doing pretty well. It so is. it's not the economy, stupid, it's the presentation 
stupid, well, isn't it? Well, it's, it's either the presentation or it's the voters stupid. I mean, uh, I mean, at a certain <laughs> point, you can keep telling people what is actually happening, mm. uh, but if they're not willing to listen to it, and I think, to be fair to the voters, they're not feeling it. I mean, Biden has passed these historic pieces of legislation, trillions of dollars of money, yeah. that are now pouring in to the economy to create manufacturing in parts of the country where manufacturing was considered dead to uh, improve America's infrastructure, uh, which is desperately in need of improvement. I mean, if you've been to an American airport lately, there's only a handful that, you know, you you, you want to spend any time in at all. Mm. It is grim stuff. Yeah. I mean, I flew back to Washington yesterday from uh, from San Francisco. Uh, it's grim. And, and, and uh, um, uh, airports in America are much more important to Americans than yes, airports are in for people in this country, because you, you treat American street airports like we would treat a cab rank. Yeah, exactly. And because it's such a big country and everybody's travelling, we're about to see that this week. It's the biggest travel week of the year here because we got the Thanksgiving holiday on Thursday. But 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 the problem with that kind of infrastructure expenditure is it's going to take 15 to 20 years for yeah. us to wake up and suddenly discover we've got gleaming airports or improved high-speed trains. And that's going to be too late for Joe Biden, yes. who needs voters to back him next November. It's three, something like $300 billion that he's um, earmarked for this sort of green revolution in yes. America. And to, to put that in perspective, we, our, country, our government in Britain, has uh, not earmarked $300 billion, We've earmarked four as a, as a contrast. So, you know, there's somebody that's really um, enacting positive uh, policies for the future of the planet. But the people in America just aren't seeing it because I think it's the presentation. He just looks too old. Yeah, I mean, I was watching him in San Francisco at the Apex Summit all week. And it is painful yeah, at times to watch is. him how can he not know these that? speeches how can he not know that he is actually holding his party back and, and what is so extraordinary about it nick is that if you scroll back 25 30 years and you watch him when he was a younger man and he was a, a, a senator in um, up on capitol hill he was an, an electrifying performer. I mean, his gift of the gab was often out of control because he was so loquacious that he would... Uh, a whole raft of unforced errors. You know that his uh, 1988 campaign for the presidency, that's how long ago uh, he first sought the nation's top job, was derailed because he plagiarised Neil Kinnock uh, in a speech. <laughs> um, so, so his mouth could get him into trouble, but yeah. he had energy and he had stamina mm. and he had presence presentation and it's all you know largely evaporated on the green economy his outlook is refreshing because he not only sees climate change as a peril to the planet he sees it as an economic opportunity so the jobs that he's creating in parts of the country where manufacturing had died are jobs that are designed to challenge china uh, in the battle to produce semiconductors and silicon chips, mm. uh, which he sees as being absolutely at the centre uh, of moves to a cleaner environment. So he views this as not just uh, good for, uh, for, for, green, for greening the world, 
He views this as good for America because it will help America take on China and be less reliant on sensitive technologies yeah. from China. So he thinks that's a win-win, which is one of the reasons why, you know, he's very protectionist and has disappointed, frankly, now multiple prime, prime ministers uh, in the UK, at least three of them now, by basically refusing to engage in any kind of conversation about free trade agreements between the UK and the United States yeah. because his focus is relentlessly on building that new economy here at home and keeping the jobs here. Yeah, well, they don't need us, despite um, our, uh, our, our tantrums at the very idea that we mm. don't rule the world anymore. So he's just meeting uh, President Xi in uh, this, uh, this summit over in San Francisco, and I believe they cleaned up San Francisco for that purpose. And people have been remarking that, well, if you can clean it up for two days while the, mm. some uh, foreign potentate comes over and has a shifty round, well, why couldn't you do that permanently? Well, that is the big question. Um, they cleaned up the central area of the city, the bit basically within a sort of an eight-block radius of the Moscone Centre where the Apex Summit was held. The meeting with President Xi, by the way, happened about half an hour outside the city at this place called the Filoli Historic Estate and Gardens, which will be familiar to some listeners because if you were a fan of Dynasty in the 1980s, it was where... Blake Carrington and his missus, played by Joan Collins, that was their home. It was filmed there. So these opulent surroundings for the Xi-Biden meeting. But back in San Francisco, they had they, they cleaned up the centre of the city. I was talking to, to one resident uh, last week who was saying, it's absolutely amazing. I walked down Powell Street, which is sort of the main sort of north-south drag in the city. He said, I've only seen two homeless people. And they had literally moved them all away. But you didn't have to drift too far away from the convention centre to encounter what has become known as the Doom Loop in San Francisco. Uh, I went out for dinner in the historic Mission District while I was there and took the underground and you emerge from 24th Street Station and as you come up to the surface, it was a, just a completely dystopian vision that was presenting itself of people openly shooting up on the streets. I mean, they're on track for a record number of uh, drug overdose deaths in San Francisco uh, this year, record amounts of homelessness. But the mayor in the city, London Breed, is absolutely determined that the summit last week was San Francisco's big kind of coming out party, the big opportunity for her to begin rebranding the city. And the real question is, exactly as you posed it, the gains that they made certainly in the central area because if you walked around the central area it was just like you know it was amazing i mean the restaurants were all open everybody was everybody was there you didn't find yourself tripping over homeless people or you know needles in the streets or anything like that it was it was once again a a, a mostly functional city can you keep that gain beyond the departure of 20 world leaders, mm. 30,000 delegates, all the Secret Service and the police? How is she going to build on what she created for at least six, uh, seven days yeah. in San Francisco? And I think that's, that's a really open question. You know, the heart of San Francisco's economy has basically been ripped out by uh, the aftermath of COVID-19. It's tourism, I mean, right? So it's tourism, but it's also tech, of course. Right, yes, of course. And the yeah. tech employees have decided, and their employers have decided, there's no point in having all of this expensive commercial uh, office space. There is 1.85 million square foot 
of empty office space in San Francisco. 34% of the available office space has been abandoned. Major retailers have moved out because of the crime, the fact that people aren't coming to the city anymore, Mm. and the the drug drug, uh, addiction that is evident on the doorsteps of their shops. It's ironic that the drugs that they're taking, fentanyl, are coming from China, and and they wanted to uh, clean up the drug takers so that the Chinese premier didn't see them. Yes, well, I mean, and also, I mean, the city itself, like many cities across America, because this fentanyl fentanyl epidemic is now a tsunami of death and destruction uh, here, but the mayor in San Francisco welcomed the out- one of the outcomes of that Bush-Xi meeting, which was an agreement by the Chinese to try and do more to crack down on the gangs in China that are sending not just fentanyl, but the precursors, the chemicals that can be used to make it mm. uh, to the US, and they basically send it through the mail. They, they, they ship it in in innocent-looking packages that there's no uh, real way for people uh, in, uh, on a grand scale uh, to prevent. Right. Uh, so there was, uh, I think, uh, you know, the one positive outcome potentially for the city from that Biden-Xi meeting was an agreement by the Chinese to try and do something about it. But the fentanyl, fentanyl overdoses now are the largest single cause of death for Americans between the age of 18 and 45, which is just, I mean, mean, gun violence, uh, presumably not far behind it, but a stunning figure. Well, you know, Gavin Newsom, he is the governor of California, is he not? He is. the, The economy of California, if it were a country, I think would be even richer than we are in Britain. I think it would be the fifth richest economy in the world. We're the sixth. Uh, So we'd be shunted down to the seventh. So they certainly have the money to fix it. And if Gavin Newsom uh, is the name that people throw up as a potential replacement, if uh, Biden, uh, you know, shuffles off the uh, conveyor belt of life or decides that he just can't (laughs) do it, um, he's the chap who is, um, you know, in the uh, at the top of people's lists. So. It would be incumbent upon him to fix this problem. Why can't he do that? Well, he's definitely got massive problems in California, and it's not just San Francisco. It's uh, problems in other parts of the state as well. Uh, he is uh, an extremely attractive candidate. I mean, he's very telegenic. I think you and I have discussed mm-hmm. before. He's got fabulous teeth. <laughs> um, and and he's extremely bright. I did a, a half-hour interview with him some years ago when he was lieutenant governor uh, of California and was absolutely struck by how quick he is on his feet and how uh, solid, you know, he, he is as a potential leader of the Democratic Party. Yeah. I think the real question is, can someone who is governing in California, the state that Republicans will always point to as a completely failed state, mm. a state that can't even figure out how to build a high-speed rail link between its two major cities, what uh, uh, San Francisco and Los Angeles. They've been planning one for, for 15 years now. I think they've built, like, you know, a mile-and-a-half section of it, and then the money keeps getting held up, and there's disagreements over uh, environmental environmental impacts well, of this we, we uh, high-speed link. Yeah, and we know all about that all in of this that. country. Don't, and, you don't but if you can't get that, that done, you know, 
But if you can't get that done, yes. that's potentially problematic right. for well, a launch pad. Let, let me just throw another name at you then. Mm. Never mind about uh, Donald Trump, never mind about Joe Biden or Gavin Newsom. What about Dwayne The Rock Johnson? <laughs> because the Washington Post has been, uh, well, one of their columnists has been pushing, and yes. he's not the only person, for Dwayne The Rock Johnson, the movie star, to actually throw his hat in the ring. And um, it's entirely possible that he could clean up. Well, and he visited Capitol Hill last week, as you will have seen, uh, promoting um, military service uh, in keeping with uh, sort of the movie star roles that he's played. Mm -hmm. And Democrats, I mean, were absolutely fawning over him. I mean, there's extraordinary video of Senator Charles Schumer, the Democrats' leader in the US Senate from New York, meeting Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And it's very much like sort of, you know, when Nixon met Elvis. Uh, it's an <laughs> extraordinary interaction. And as, you know, the country casts around for two potential presidential candidates who are not called Biden or Trump, yeah. there is suddenly this sort of flurry of uh, interest in Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Not immediately clear which party he might be interested in potentially standing yes, for, right. which is one of the reasons why the Democrats were fawning over him, because, you know, the, the tremendous fear for them mm. would be that he might choose to run as a Republican. Yes. Um, let's see if, uh, if he's, if he's got got it in him. Just the very idea of an actor becoming the President <laughs> exactly. of the United States. Can you imagine such a thing? It would never happen. <laughs> Simon, as Excuse always, me. such a pleasure. Thanks for your time. Simon Marks, LBC's US correspondent.